Independence Day. Yeah. Uh, to my fellow Ghanaians, wherever you are across the globe. Uh, today is Ghanaians Day. And it's good to have you uh, with me live here on the cubicle on Ghanatos Radio. The seat of March is a very important day for Ghana and Ghanaians as we celebrate the nation's independence from the British colony the British Empire in March 1957. Uh, Ghana was one, it's one of the First countries in southwest, uh, west, uh, South Saharan, Sahara to actually gain independence. If not the first, Ghana's independence had triggered the independence of other African states across the African continent. So when Nkrumah said that independence was meaningless. It was linked with the total liberation of the African continent. It wasn't just by map, but it was by action and by symbol. And so, to the Ghanaians all across the globe, observing a holiday to celebrate this particular day. Ghana is 66. And the question I'm trying to answer today on this show is that how significant has Ghana's independence been? Or how significant is the independence of Ghana to us as Ghanaians today? 66 years after independence, what do we have to show for it? Or how far have we come from 1957? a group of people with allegiance to the Ghanaian, the Ghanaian flag, the Ghanaian anthem, the Ghanaian symbol of power and authority, the sovereignty of Ghana. My name is Lancer Lawrence and this is the Cubicle Live on Ghana Talks Radio. Uh, we just had some excerpts or or the speech of President Don Kwakufado the Independence Ground in Adakulu. Fota region. Uh, today we are going to look at the first independence speech in Ghana, which was delivered by Dr. Kwame Nkrumah. And then we try to situate it in the context of today to see how far or how close we have come from 1957, from the ideals, from the visions of Dr. Kwame Nkrumah. This edition promises to be very, very exciting and intriguing. If you are very Pan African, if you love your motherland, Ghana, uh, we also have a giveaway that will come on on the show. You have two questions to ask 
Anyone who answers them correctly stands a chance of winning 20 Ghana CDs on this special day for Ghanaians. Uh, very, very soon, we'll post the questions on our screen. The first question on our screen. I'll see who else or who what who will win this particular uh, 20 Ghana cities. We have a maximum of five winners. So if you comment and get the right answer, you are most likely to win something on this show. Uh, stay and stay with me. I'll take a short break. When we come, we'll go right into the discussion. Like I said, we're looking at the speech of Dr. Kwame Nkrumah. First Independence Day celebration in the history of our Republic Ghana. We're going to contextualize it in this in the Ghana we have today to see whether or not that vision, that enthusiasm, that patriotism that Nkrumah displayed or delivered on the day of independence still in the hearts of the people of Ghana and our leaders. So you can stay with me, we'll ride back after the short break. We'll continue with the show live on Ghana Talks Radio. We'll be right back after the short break. Ghana Talks Radio. Ghana Talks Radio. This is big. Ghana Talks Radio. Ghana Talks Radio. This is big. This is big. Wait, what? What happened? And what did you do? Have you ever heard a story or a dilemma that had you wanting more? Have you ever been in a situation with no one to turn to? Well, come and talk to Nans. Join us for story time every two weeks. Story time is where we discuss your issues and give you advice with guest speakers. Look at it as your sister helping you out, giving you advice, and just having a good old conversation. So make sure you email us all of your issues and dilemmas now at storytime at ghanatalksradio.com. That's storytime at ghanatalksradio.com. Make sure you tune in. That's every two weeks. Every second Sunday on Ghana Talks Radio at 2pm. Listen back by visiting the podcast section on www.ghanatalksradio.com. We're waiting for you. Every occasion demands the company of good music that fits the purpose. At GTR Sounds, we understand your need to create just the right atmosphere for your wedding or engagement, party, funeral, crusade, political campaign or rally, or just any other event, as well as executive and corporate functions. With our modern and high-quality spinning machines, mixers, microphones, and power amplifiers, binary speakers, and saps, we offer the highest of sound quality and music play at events and functions. At GTR Sounds, we have a team of seasoned and highly experienced sound engineers who understand just the right choice of music for your event. Locate our studios at Aponchi Hotel in Anya or call our numbers 054-8522-897 or 027-3363-973. You can also reach via our email sounds at ghanatalksradio.com. At GTR Sounds, we take care of your event. 
Nami be cousin legend with your one and only host for Nigerian Davu. Afalai make you join me every Wednesdays and Saturdays from 12 to 1.30 p.m. As I go to summer you with the latest news and gist directly from Okobodo, Nigeria. No forget to still catch up on all our previous episodes of Nigerian Davu on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Facebook Podcasts, and via our website www.ganatalksradio.com or make you Google carriers for your pocket by downloading our Ghana Talks Radio app via Android, Google Play, and iOS App Store. Make you feel they enjoy our other Sengemenge shows. Follow us on our social media platforms at Ghana Talks Radio for other interesting stories we they draw from our tomorrow. No talks here, no tell you. Omo yami, oya jimasun. Hello Ghana, hello worldwide. Now we level bear. Now listen every Tuesday and Friday beyond the time between the carry brow and we're gonna talk radio 7 p.m. sharp. Now Tuesday and we're gonna talk about our culture, our history. Martin Dean said about Sam. No on the Friday and your bars on bars on bars. You better rap, you better say are they no artists go join me in the studio. We're gonna discuss about music and business. Oh, you singer, and now you rapper, you think that you get bass. You go be spitfire now. Listen, make you join me with studio. Our Ghana Talks Radio, and yes, say, I didn't have Miss it, download the Ghana Talks Radio app, you know, our Play Store, any app store. Not tuning, I didn't say, I this what you see, but life on Facebook, Queen Takra, any Ghana Talks Radio page, and it's now. Listen, I bet you fire. One year, call me, wadding, Jajan. So welcome back right here to the Chemical Live on Ghana Talks Radio. Uh, as I said before the break, we are going to look at Kwame Kroma and his speech uh, at the 6th of March 1957. His independence de- declaration speech. Uh, our question for today, there are actually two questions, very, very easy questions that you can find answers to. So if you are tuning in, and you want to stand a chance of winning some real cash, some real money right now, uh, just check on the screen. you get to know uh, the question. It is that in what year the Ghana's Fourth Republic starts? As simple as ABC. In what year uh, the Ghana's Fourth Republic starts? Uh, if you answer this question correctly in the chat session, both on YouTube and on Facebook, you stand a chance of winning uh, a 20 Ghana City giveaway that we are doing live here on Ghana Talks Radio. But let's get into the show. So let us know what your uh, your comments are the, or what you think the, the right answer is. In what year the Ghana's Fourth Republic start? Every day we see we are in the Fourth Republic. What year did that Republic start at all? Let me know what you think. So Kwame Nkrumah was the first president of Ghana, Dr. F- Dr. Kwame Nkrumah, and there's been a lot of argument in recent times over whether or not uh, he solely can be identified as the founder of Ghana. Uh, the current regime or the MPP party has always held the view that no, Kwame Nkrumah is not the founder of Ghana and Kwame Nkrumah is one of the founders of Ghana. So because of that, even the Nkrumah Day uh, holiday was scrapped off for the Founders Day. Uh, and the argument is that the, the struggle for independence just didn't start with Kwame Nkrumah. It started way even before UGCC. So you cannot discount all other role play or play who played a role to building the momentum up to independence just for one man who was 
finish the battle. So you can't see that just because he took the baton at a point at a point in time to finish the race, it meant that he was a founder. That's the argument of the MPP. And so you see that, like I said, the Nkrumah Day has been scrapped, and then we now have the Founders Day, the Founders Capital. But another school of thought is saying that no, if you look at the way Ghana gained independence, if you actually consider the kind of activities and actions or strategy that was adopted by the two parties leading by those times, CPP and UGCC, there's no way you can say that UGCC were interested in the kind of independence that we have now. So there's no point in them or their, their uh, what do you call it, their progeny or the, those who inherited them, something like that. Their descendants who claim that no, their parents or their forefathers had a hand in founding Ghana or becoming what? Becoming uh, founders of Ghana. So that's, that has been the debate so far. The one who's in power is winning the debate because he has the power to change what, what and what not. So that's the debate ongoing. But let's go into Kwame Nkrumah as the first president of the, of the country. Uh, it's very interesting to know that Kwame Nkrumah was invited as what they call it, uh, was invited as a secretary or as a secretary to the UGCC. So they they invited Nkrumah to come and join them as a secretary to the party. They found out the guy, this man is in the United States also doing his student activism work for African students in the United States. He was getting some grounds and that's what we we're looking for. We're looking for people who are the activists, people who can what? push a point and push a campaign to a point that they can succeed. So UGCC brought in Nkrumah until 1949 when Nkrumah broke up, broke out of the party and then formed his CPP, which he then what led to win or to gain independence from Ghana after winning the independence motion, right? Was that the case in parliament? Yeah, I don't get the exact history, but that is it. So that's happened. That was, that's what happened. Uh, Today, I'm just trying to look at the speech of Kwame Nkrumah. I was listening to it earlier and I was like, wow, this is what the man was saying way back in 1957. And before I even get to the speech, Nkrumah has been someone who has been hailed by Africans in the whole world. Uh, Nkrumah, in the eyes of Africa, is so big that it's difficult to even pinpoint any other African in the last 100 years to come closer to Kwame Nkrumah. That's the legacy that this man or this our first president have uh, has. Uh, it's not easy for the whole country to do uh, to to uh, the whole continent and the world to accept that you are the front runner. You are the one. You trigger the 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 movement. You are the one who are, you are the inspiration to all the good that we had in the 1950s, 1960s, and early 1970s on the continent. So that is very inspirational. That is very good. Nkrumah was also voted a millionaire. The pe- is it the person of the millionaire, right? The African of the millionaire. So this, this is just a big recognition. And everywhere you go in the in the continent, you find Kwame Nkrumah, either statue, school, road, anything. Like you find a whole lot of monuments, edifices that are named after Dr. Kwame Nkrumah, universities, uh, seven towns. I named after him in other African countries. Kwame Nkrumah was one time co-president in Mali after his what? After he was ousted in 1966, February 1966. So he's not a mean person for African continent. He's not a mean person for us as Ghanaians as well. But what did he say on the day of independence? From the in the background of the way he moved from UGCC to form UC, to form the CPP to be able to fight for independence. 
what did he say and what message was he carrying on the night of independence or the day of independence let's listen to the full speech or some parts of the speech uh from dr komiko and then when we come back we start to pick it one by one to what to adjust or to to kind of digest each of them and see whether or not these messages or his speech is still relevant to us as Ghanaians today. Let's listen to what he said in 1957. At long last, the battle has ended. And thus, Ghana, your beloved country, is free forever. And here again, I want to take the opportunity to thank the chiefs and people of this country, the youth, the farmers, the women, who have so nobly fought and won this battle. Also, I want to thank the valiant ex-servicemen who have so cooperated with me in this mighty task of freeing our country from foreign rule and imperialism. And as I pointed out at our party conference at Solpon, I made it quite clear that from now on today, we must change our attitudes, our minds. We must realize that from now on, we are no more a colonial, but a free and independent people. But also, as I pointed out, that also entails hard work. I am depending upon the millions of the country, the chiefs and people, to help me to reshape the destiny of this country. We are prepared to build it up and make it a nation that will be respected by every other nation in the world. We know we are going to have difficult beginnings, but again, I'm relying upon your support. I'm relying upon your hard work. Seeing you in these thousands, it doesn't matter how far my eye goes, I can see that you are here in your millions. And my last warning to you is that you ought to stand firm behind us so that we can prove to the world that when the African is given a chance, he can show to the world that he's somebody. Ago, I made it point 
that we are going to see that we create our own African personality and identity. This is the only way in which we can show the world that we are ready for our own battle. But today, may I call upon you all that at this great day, let us all remember that nothing in the world can be done unless it's had the proposed support of God. We have done the battle and we again rededicate ourselves not only in the struggle to emancipate other countries in Africa. Our independence is meaningless unless it is linked up with the total liberation of the African Let us now, fellow Ghanaians, let us now ask for God's blessing. And for only two seconds, in your thousands and millions, I want to ask you to pause only for one minute and give thanks to Almighty God for having led us through obstacles, difficulties, imprisonments, hardship and suffering to have brought us to the end of our trouble today. So, so that that was the speech of Dr. Kwame Nkrumah in 1957, the independence speech. This one was uh, in English, and just just on the just by hearing, you know how powerful this particular speech was. But before I even continue with the speech, there are a whole lot of comments coming in our comment section about the question. I think they're having the wrong question. So the question is that what year did the fourth republic start for? That just as is in what year did Ghana's fourth republic start? Let us know what you think in the comment section. In what year did Ghana's fourth uh, Ghana's fourth republic start? Like I said, we have two questions. This is the first question. So once you answer the second the first question, you have to wait for the second question. That one is also very, very easy. Then once you are done, you what? Uh, you stand a chance of winning the 20 Ghana CD from us. So the question is that, in what year the Ghana's Fourth Republic starts? Uh, back to the 66th anniversary uh, that we are celebrating today. Back to Kwame Nkrumah's speech. And if you listen to it very carefully, you understand. Yes, he said a whole lot of stuff just within that eight minutes of speech that he gave. And this looked like a man who had, who was on a on a mission, like he was actually on a mission to do something for his people. Remind you, this is just a man who just won independence, who led his part, his party to win independence from the British in the Gokus at that time. He had served as the first prime minister, is it 1951, to the point where he became. Uh, the first president of the of Ghana and the Ghana became a republic in 1960. So Nkrumah knew Ghana, Nkrumah fought for Ghana, Nkrumah gained independence for Ghana, and this was his first speech. Now I want us to break the speech down into pieces so that we can understand what he said, what he actually meant by what he was saying on the day. What he actually meant by what he was saying on the day. Let's listen to the, the first part of that video of his speech. You see what I titled Free Forever, where he said Ghana, the one of the most famous quotes or speeches of African leaders in the entire history of the world. Ghana, your beloved country, 
is free forever let's listen to what he said then we'll come back and try and digest it but before then the question is that what year did Ghana's for republic start that's not what your thoughts are then we can you can see whether you can win this 20 Ghana city easy for us life now 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 Ghana talks to you. let's listen to the speech on right back at long last the battle has ended. And thus, Ghana, your beloved country, is free forever. At long last, the battle has ended. And thus, Ghana, your beloved country, is free forever. One of, uh, one of the most interesting things in Ghana is you could hear the, the jubilation in the in the voices of the people there. But one very, very significant thing that I want to point out from this particular bit of his speech was that he said the battle has ended. Uh, the battle has ended. And in Ghana, your beloved country is free forever. Uh, why didn't he say the war has ended? If you look at people say that oh in a war there are a lot of battles in the war like you've you've just finished this battle you may lose a battle but you don't lose the war you may lose a, you may win a battle but you may lose the war in the end Nkuma actually identified that that independence that we got at that time was not us winning the war or was, or was not us or uh, as a country winning the ultimate yes your independence your political independence will wield your the will the sovereignty at that point was a very big and monumental victory, not just for us, but for the African continent. But in essence, that was just a battle in the big war. And what was that war? That war was not just political independence. It was economic independence. It was... Uh, independence from new colonialism imperialism right and a war was actually bigger than just us saying that we are now free as a country or we are not independent as a country we are 67 years today 66 years today actually and you cannot tell me that that word that he didn't mention that day is not what is what it's not what we are not we are not in today it's actually the war he mentioned, the war he did, he didn't mention is what we are in today because we claim we are independent, we feel we are independent, we have our system of governance, we have our people, our national flag, our, our everything, our resources. But at what point do we have control over most of this stuff? Not just our resources, even our governance structure, even our laws, our industries, our resources, our gold and oil, who has control? Not us, obviously. 
our governance systems, our laws. Our laws are actually British laws, if you care to know. Our laws are fully British laws, except what? Except even land law is full, more, more, more British than Ghanaian. Our criminal law system is fully British. Our commercial law fully British. So everything, every aspect of Ghana's life is actually British at this point. The system of governance, the executive, the judiciary, and the what they call the legislative, they are all British. Our security services are all legacy legacies of colonialism. All of them, military, police, everything mentioned, all of them, they're all legacies of colonialism. So if we had won that battle at that time, granted. But why did we stop fighting to what to absorb ourselves from the bigger picture that we uh that Nkoma was mentioned at that time 1957? And you also listen, the second part of that thing was I said, Ghana, your beloved country is free forever. And that's the case. Is it really true that we are free forever? Is it really free though? Is it really true that we are free forever as a country? Yes, we elect our leaders. Is that is that the case? Yes, we, we have resources. Do we have control? Who controls our budget? Like who actually controls our there's something very critical to our ourselves our budget. Someone controls our budget, or someone has to contribute to our budget before you can even stand. Someone has to tell you that don't put this item in your budget, or else I won't give you this kind of money. And yes, we're going to listen to that person. So what shows we are free forever? We're just trying to compare the enthusiasm and the excitement that Nkuma had when he was declaring independence for Ghana to today's the context of today. That he said that we had won the battle, we had not won the war. And it's true, we won that particular political independence. To what and at what cost? Because major everything that every aspect of our life is actually controlled by laws that are not what done by us or not for us. And by people that are not us, are not Ghanaians. Also, if you learn about the oil and gold sector, what happens in the oil and gold sector, you will marvel as a Ghanaian that no control whatsoever, especially in terms of the revenue that it generates. And that's serious as a country that we live in. But is that the case? Let's listen to the next part of his speech where he says that he's thanking the chiefs and the people. And this is very, very instrumental. I want to say something. But let's see what he said. Thanking the chiefs and people, then we'll come back and continue our conversation. And here again, I want to take the opportunity to thank the chiefs and people of this country, the youth, the farmers, the women who have so nobly fought and won this battle. Also, I want to thank the valiant ex servicemen who have so cooperated with me in this mighty task of freeing our country from foreign rule and imperialism. And here again, I want to take the opportunity to thank the chiefs and people of this country, the youth, the farmers, the women, who have so nobly fought and won this battle. Also, I want to thank the valiant ex-servicemen who have so cooperated with me in this mighty task of freeing our country from foreign rule and imperialism.
And here again, I want to take the opportunity to thank the chiefs and people of this country, the youth, the farmers, the women, who have so nobly fought and won this battle. Also, I want to thank the valiant ex-servicemen who have so cooperated with me in this mighty task of freeing our country from foreign rule and imperialism. Uh, from freeing this country from foreign rule and imperialism. That's what he said. Like, is that even the case? Is that the case actually that we are free from foreign rule and imperialism? Uh, come on, what you were saying to 1957 was it true or not? Like, is that actually true today? It's very sad. It's very sad that we have come so much, uh, so long a time as a group of people together, as a nation, as a sovereign, and then we are still under foreign rule and imperialism in a different context and not just them coming to sit on our land and control us but now they sit somewhere and they're still controlling us with their laws and their financial power but what i want to pick from this part of the speech is the people and the chiefs you know ghana belongs to the people the country ghana it actually belongs to the people and the chiefs and their chiefs it doesn't belong to a group of people or a family or a group of merchants or rich people ghana in essence just belongs to the ordinary person out there and that's just what i'm trying to highlight that the country ghana started on the blood of the ordinary people it didn't start on the blood of rich people and merchants and kings no so in today's Ghana, there is no other power anywhere except the power that the people have the people have and can invest in someone. And that's the absolute fact of it. Granted, let's go back to CPP 1949s and co. The way they were still fighting for independence. What happened? It was people who voted CPP into power. It was the people of Ghana who voted CPP into power. To win independence. The UGC were, were, they were existent. They were existing. They were there. It went into an election against the CPP and lost. Why? Because the people voted for the CPP to become majority in parliament. To gain independence. Right? So even factually, the country belongs to the people. The people decide who was, who becomes president. The people decide who becomes the leader of the country. The people decide everything. So at any point in the life of the country where the people are now secondary, it becomes a problem. And that's just what I want to highlight. That there is no point in time where the laws... The, the decision of government, the decision of executive, the, the legislature are trying to what, pass any law, any policy, implement anything that goes against the people, the voice of the people. So you cannot push e-levy on people when the people don't want the e-levy because the people are the Ghana, they own Ghana. So the leaders, the leaders have to appreciate that and that's what I'm just trying to hit on. If you can appreciate that the people are those who own Ghana, then you always mortgage them. 
you always maltreat them. And it was good that Nkrumah highlighted, highlighted that in back in 1957. That the people and their chiefs, they contributed to the fight against the what? Colonialism. They helped in the victory. They great, brought the victory. They brought Ghana out of colonialism. It wasn't just a political party. Ghana CP were the majority. But who voted for the CPP? The people. The people wanted independence. The people are the founders of the country of Ghana. So today, when you have leaders who don't have regard for what the people see, it's so sad. It is so sad. The leaders of today don't have regard for the people's voices, their opinions. Everything is now drawn according to parties. How? What you take, what the people, the people are crying, they are lying down, they are swimming in blood, they are rolling, they are begging you in front of your office, you don't care. So pensioners will go to the finance ministry and pick it there for days because their money is going to be taken away from them and they are crying and you don't care. 11, don't, don't tax us, you don't care. Bondholders don't take their money, you don't care. Everything about the people that they want is just about you, what you want. You are not the one who created the country. You are not the one who formed the country. You, are, you alone do not get independence. The people who got independence for the country to help themselves. Nobody else but the people. And that's something that we as people have to want to demand that. Come back to us. We are the sovereign. Not you, not the executive, not the, 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 the parliament, not the judiciary. The people are the sovereign. And the people, all the laws in the country must work to protect the welfare of the people. This is not what this is. Some, this is something that we couldn't even we shouldn't even be debating. So there's no point where the people will want something, and the leaders cannot sit down and carve out what will best suit the interests of the people, rather than to implement policies and laws that what that will suppress the people. It's so sad that we've gone, we've come that way since 1957. And back then, Nkrumah was talking about the people and their chiefs. Very very important. Uh, let's get to the next bit of his speech where he's um, he, uh, titled it A Respected Nation, Charlie. And this is so sad, bro. Ghana has come a long way to be to, to where we are, where we were from. We were like we were like Dibizu. Now we are what? We are Dibizu with hard labor. Let's let's listen to what Kroman said. But before that, a very, very sad news just came in. Uh King Tampo, twenty two people have lost their lives in an accident. Breaking news. Charlie. On 6th of March 2023, 22 people have lost their lives at King Tampo in an accident. This is just news coming in. See, accidents, for me, individual, I don't like talking about accidents, like, but to be very frank with you, accidents is one of the most senseless ways of losing lives. And our country actually has that in, in like it's like a part of our fabric. That why can't we just pick the rules? If you use the road, I use the road regularly almost every time. If we see what cars go through, the kind of rules that we use in this country. The industry on that road is not small. The way it contributes to Ghana's economy, and that we cannot just spend money to make this road safer for common civilians. It's so painful, bro. It's so so painful. To hear that 22 people just just because I want to go to from here to here, I enter the car and that's it. I'm not going home. 
the way I wanted to go. It's, it's, it's so sad. People who are fighting in wars, the way they die is even Charlie. It's bad. It's bad. It's very very bad. Very very bad that we still are experiencing these things in their country. And I'm telling you, I have a poem called uh, "A Cave Ahead." That I was listening, I was listening to yesterday, just about road accidents. Very very soon they will go there and the MPs will go and greet the pay, the, the go to, go and greet the people of the and that's it. Nothing will happen. There's not going to be any investigations, any proper policies to help. Just go and expand the road, make it dual road. That be all. Like oh, don't let the two buses be on the same road. How much will it cost to? What to use hundred million to go and build a cathedral? Like it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> My boss will say it doesn't make sense. So I also say it doesn't make sense. How would you you can't expand your roads and you're going to build a cathedral? Twenty two people have died on the road. Want to go and build a cathedral? It doesn't make sense. Like I said, that's why Kumar was saying nineteen fifty seven. The people are the are the country. They created the country for themselves. They created Ghana. People voted to join to be part of the country Ghana. People vote. Uh, listen, when uh, Germany lost the World War, their all their colonies were what? They had to decide where they wanted to join. So people in the, some parts of northern region and the voter region actually did, went to the private side to choose to join the, the, the Republic Ghana, called Ghana today. That tells you of the kind of prestige that we have. And even today, in Nana's speech, he was what? He, refer, he referenced it and told it and, and was like, this is the show of the kind of diversity and the kind of prestige that we have to have as Ghanaians. So when the people are actually, when the people created something for themselves, why is that same thing punishing them? It's sad. But let, let's listen to the fourth, the, the fourth one, the respected nation, then we can continue with uh, Kromer's speech. Because this thing, if you talk about it, you get, uh, you get crazy, like serious. As I pointed out, at our party conference at Solpon, I made it quite clear that from now on today we must change our attitudes, our minds. We must realize that from now on we are no more a colonial but a free and independent people. But also, as I pointed out, that also entails hard work. I am depending upon the millions of the country, the chiefs and people, to help me to reshape the destiny of this country. We are prepared to build it up and make it a nation that will be respected by every other nation in the world. And as I pointed out, at our party conference at Solpon, I made it quite clear that from now on today. Charlie, this particular speech, I think, should be played on every morning on all media stations. Serious. So that when we wake up in the morning, we remind ourselves why we are Ghanaians. So that at least we can be proper. We can, we can, we can what? We can exhibit that patriotism. Especially our leaders. They should play this in parliament every morning so that when they are going to offices, <laughs> they'll be hearing it. <laughs> we say we should change our attitudes and minds. We are no longer a colony. We are now a free and independent people. But it requires hard work. It requires hard work so that we can reshape our own destiny, our destiny, so that we as Ghanaians, 
or as we can make Ghana a respected nation among all other nations. This was said by Kwame Nkrumah in 1957, 66 years ago. He said that we must change our minds and our attitudes and that we must recognize that we are no longer a colonial or a colony, but a free and independent country, nation, and that it requires hard work for us to reshape our destiny so that we can say that Ghana is a respected nation among all other nations. So the picture I'm just painting, do you see the Ghana in that way today? Like it's sad, bro. Twenty-six to six years ago, we can't leave our minds and our students are still locked to the British. Are still locked to the uh, to the British most institutions. Are still locked to United States, Russia, China. We cannot do anything unless the white man tells us that this is what we should do, so that we will do it. So how come, how, what, is the, what is the difference between the mindsets that we have today and the one that we had before independence, where we rely solely on the white people to administer us? Like you said, uh, uh, you, 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 oh God, you, for example, look at this IMF thing that's going on. It just doesn't make any correct. It, doesn't, it, just, it just doesn't say anything good about what Nkrumah wanted for us. You are a country... You've you've destroyed your economy, and then you pick up, and the just days before you went to IMF, you were categorical that you never go to IMF, you never go to IMF, you are a sovereign country, and then the following day you took pick up back go to IMF, to beg for three billion, for three billion dollars, just three billion dollars, that you have spent more than that amount of money on frivolous things, for the white man to tell that bro. Okay, you've come. You you've finally failed again. So let me teach you how to work, to 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 work on your own nation. And then the white man says, "Go and do debt exchange program." And that debt exchange program, you take all monies from people. You you go and abrogate your contract with pension holders, with bond holders, with pensioners, with bond holders, even to a point where we want to take want to take treasury bill and stuff. Tell them that you cannot pay their money. You pay them back in 2027 or when is that? And then you save that money. To Then we can direct it somewhere to increase your own revenue and capital. Right? You are waiting for the white man to tell you that to do. You are waiting for the white man to tell you how to, to rule your own country. How can we come 66 years from 1957 and we are still going back to the white man to tell us how to run our country? And Nkuma was saying that we should change our minds and attitude in 1957. He said that it required hard work to reshape our destiny. So the African man, in, let me give you context. The African in 1957, the 1940s, 30s, the 1900s, was regarded as a subhuman being. Like you are not a human being. They see you as a level level four level five human being you are not there yet as a human you are still in the evolution process <laughs> right that's why they saw africans and black people so you were condemned already as a black man in those times so the fact that even a country wanted to get independence from the british or maybe at a point colonialism become, became expensive for them also and they were also trying to move forward in their lives so they also said oh let's just hold on to get that independence but at that point for black men to say that he even wanted to become independent it was like 
Well, like, are you dreaming? Are you sure you can even handle your own affairs? So the black man was condemned from the beginning that you cannot do anything good for yourself. And Nkrumah said, no, we can do something for ourselves. Let's change our attitudes. Let's change our mind and let's work hard so that we can receive our destiny. We can change the, the, the narrative, the direction that they give us that we are condemned, we are useless, we are incapable to where we can now say that we are capable and that we will gain the respect of other people, of other countries, of other continents, that yes, the black man can also work, can also be a human being, can also do what he's supposed to do and protect himself and rule over himself. And 66 years down the line, we are back at IMF to beg for $3 billion from the white man. Uh, so have we created the respect? Do we have the respect that Nkrumah said we should have or we should create for ourselves back in 1957? Uh, what you <laughs> what do you see as you listen to me? What do you think is the answer? Uh, let's listen to the next bit. Uh, let's take a short bit. We have talked about almost time about. Let, no, let's listen to the next bit. The African, the African. Let's listen to what Nkrumah Afri- uh, said about African in his speech. Then we'll come back and one finish this one. We'll go for our first break and then we'll come back and continue. Yeah. said that he wanted us to work, create our own African personality and identity back in 1957. Today, as I am here, we are still speaking the English language, first of all. We dress the English. We eat the English. Everything. Like, like how, how did it fall off that hard? So he said that Nkrumah in 1957 said that it's a time for us to create a new African. And like I was just saying that the African wasn't regarded as a human being. So let's change the narrative. Let's prove them wrong that we are capable. And he said that he wanted to show that African was capable of managing his own affairs. The African, the black man was capable of managing his own affairs. The background I gave about the way the white saw black people was that black people are not human beings like they are subhuman beings they are not up there yet so they cannot handle themselves and sorry and Kuma said no they can't 
we can do that and we have to prove it to them that we can actually do that but before we can do that we have to create the african himself the african personality we have to create the african as an african so that he can what be able to take care of his own self and show that the white people that Charlie, i really can actually take care of myself we are 66 years from the day Nkuma said this thing and today there is no african personality on the continent of africa There isn't African, you cannot sit down and point to the African on the African continent. Our language is not African. Our laws are not African. Our culture, our dresses is not African. Our food is not African. Our music, the one we consume is not African. Our policies are not yet for the African interest. We have been whitewashed. We look like a, a, a watered down African. We are all watered down Africans on the African continent. Every day, our African leaders will get up and wear suits and travel to the Africa and the, the Western land to take pictures with Afri uh, Western leaders. To go and beg for money, wearing suits and speaking English and French. The, the resources that we produce, we cannot even manage them. We cannot, we cannot manage them to our own benefit. We don't even get the value of our... So when Nkuma was saying that we have to show them that we are capable of creating managing our own affairs, it, it sounds funny today. That you wake up as an African and believe that, yes, I'm an African, I can manage my own affairs. How can I manage your own affairs six to six years after independence? And you can't what? You can't even direct your own policy. You can't manage your own economy. You cannot make take the value. You cannot create the value out of your own national resources. You cannot benefit from it. You don't control it. The food you eat is not African. The clothes you wear are not African. The laws that you have in your states are not African laws. The governance systems are not African governance systems. Kroma was something like a prophet. He said that we are, we are we are not dogmatic. We are just seeing the differences between Nkrumah's ideas at that time and the world and the kind of Africa that we have today. Uh, let's move on. We're almost out of time. The next one is the African identity. Uh, African identity. Let's play and hear what he said about African identity. It's very, 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 very crucial. Yeah. We are waiting. We shall no more go back to sleep anymore. Today, from now on, there is a new African in the world. That new African is ready to fight his own battle and show that after all, the black man is capable of managing his own affairs. We are going to demonstrate to the world, to the other nations, young as we are, that we are prepared to lay our own foundation. As I said in the assembly just minutes ago, I made it point that we are going to say that we create our own African personality and identity. But at this great day, let us all remember that nothing in the world can be done unless it's had the proportion support of God. We have done the battle and we again rededicate ourselves not only in the struggle to emancipate other territories in Africa. Our independence is meaningless unless it's linked up with the total liberation of the African continent. But today, may I call upon you all that at this great day, let us all remember that nothing in the world can be done unless it's had the proportion support of God. We have done the battle, and we again 
rededicate ourselves not only in the struggle to emancipate other territories in Africa. Our independence is meaningless unless it is linked up with the total liberation of the African continent. Sajifo Dr. Kwame Nkrumah said our independence is meaningless unless it is what links with the total liberation of Africa, right? I hope I got that paraphrasing correct, but that is one of his most famous statements. But before even he said that, he said that he said something about that. I just missed that part. He, he said something very he mentioned God. And that's something very, very important in the African culture. Most of the time we have already said that our religion is the problem of Africa. We religions, African people, our religion is what is destroying us. So I was asking myself, why did Kwame Nkrumah mention God at that time? He said that nothing can be done in the world unless it is what it has been what granted by the Almighty God. And that we must say a prayer. He actually said a prayer at the, at the last part of his speech. But let me look at the, the God aspect and then before we get to the total liberation of African continents, African countries. Before Christianity and Islam and Judaism and any other religion came to Africa, there was God in Africa. Africa, there was God in Africa. Christianity, Islam, and any other religion did not what? Did not introduce God to Africans. Africans had God. So, religion is not our problem. Africans were already religious before any other foreign religions came to Africa, before we adopted all, all these other foreign religions in Africa. Now, if you're creating an African personality and looking at the, the kind of influence of the aspect of God or religion in our lives as Africans, maybe it was very, very prudent to draw attention to the fact that we have to look inwards rather than outward. In the sense that let's look at the African God and see who was the African God or what is the African God like and how do we worship the African God so that we can become the true African that we have to be to gain the respect of whoever that we want to get the respect from, especially the West. That is what I see from what he say. But once again, the total liberation, he says that Nkrumah actually didn't just say these words by heart. Though. He was actually practicing this thing. He was sending money to other African countries that campaigns to, for them to become to fight against colonialism. Ghana, Mali, Guinea, right? These three countries was at a point actually one country. They actually formed one country because it was step by step. The Casablanca uh, block and the Moravia block were. The Moravia block were like, nah, Nkrumah, you're moving too fast. You cannot become one country or one continent at the same one continent. Today, 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 Ghana is 33 million. China is 1.7 billion. Ghana says that she has bilateral trade with China. How can 33 million have bilateral trade with 1.7 billion? Whose interests will, be, will come up top? Chad. Chad will say they have a bilateral relationship with China. Chad, how can you have bilateral uh, relations with China? Even Nigeria is 200-something million. They really can't come closer to China in terms of population. So there's no way that you can have fair and balanced, equitable relations with any bilateral relations with any market bigger than yours unless your, your market also has the value that the person has. And that is why Africa is still under colonialism, imperialism, under the, under the West and under the East. 
of recent times or in recent times. So when Nkrumah was in a hurry trying to create one Africa, they were like, Nkrumah, you're moving too fast. Slow down, bro, slow down. So when Mali got independent, they came inside the Casablanca. But a block, when Guinea had, they came into the block. So that we had Ghana, Guinea, Mali. So the next country to have had independence, we have joined that block. And we're like, no, bro, no, we can't do that. You want to become president of Africa. That was one of the criticism against Nkrumah. Nkrumah. And see, the two, see, the, see where we are. True, we all have our political independence, but at what cost do we have those independence? At what value are we putting on that independence that we had 50, 60, 70 years ago as African countries? And what Nkrumah was saying then, is that what has manifested? If Nkrumah was lying down, he's right in his grave. You have to lie down on his face. Right now, because he, he can't see what Africa has become. He'll cry. It's more painful to be in the grave actually than being ousted because what africa has become has become a watered down version of the kind of africa Af uh, nkrumah and co wanted so 66 years as we celebrate independence in ghana the first independence speech that was given by nkrumah we've actually moved far away from it far far away we don't resemble the africa or the con the ghana that nkrumah was talking about in 1957 where he said that he wanted us to what to change our minds change our minds and our attitude and that we were no longer colonial or a colony and that what we've had a way we can reshape our destiny and create a respected nation among our colleagues that's what Nkrumah was in 1957 today in 2023 66 years after we look like a shadow of the africa or the ghana that Nkrumah wanted uh, let's look listen to the, the last part of his speech where he said he was basically thanking god i actually mentioned the god factor that he, god has always been part of africa and god will always be part of africa but the african must understand that he must embrace the god that made him the african so that he can actually make himself respectable among his the people are the Ghanaian, the people created Ghana. Let the people enjoy the Ghana that they created. Don't oppress the people. Don't let them suffer. Don't let them cry out for food, common food to eat. Don't let them cry out for health. And the last point, I remember what I wanted to say. I was like, Nkuma knew that God was in Africa, but he didn't want to build a national cathedral. He wanted to build roads. He was building roads. Nkuma was building roads, not cathedrals. Nkuma was building schools. Taking children to schools, not national cathedral. Nkuma was building, if Nkuma was present by now, the accidents that we have in this country will have reduced drastically because there will be proper roads in the system, in the country. There will be proper hospitals, there will be proper schools. So when Nkuma was talking about God in his speech, he wasn't talking about building a national cathedral, he was talking about building the African. African accepting that there is God in Africa and that we must build Africa so that we can be respected people across the globe. There's no way you can keep going back to a white man for money, for beg to beg for money to come and keep your budget alive. And you still call yourself, you still think that you are respected. You cannot be respected. You cannot be respected by the white person. No day. Unless we go back to those times that we said that this is the kind of African that we wanted to create. The African personality, the African himself. That is only when that we can what? We can become prosperous as a continent. This has been the cubicle life. I'm gonna talk to you with me, Lassa Haruna. We say thank you for being uh, today. Unfortunately, our our comments, the comments that they made, 
uh, ask the question in, in your view, what is the significance of Ghana independence? And then Mati bid her say that it has given us freedom and a right to do everything. Also, Empress believes in the states that it has given us freedom and a right to manage our own affairs. Uh, Emmanuel Kwame in Tiamo also says no, no significance today apart from Ghanaians managing our own affairs. Okay. And then Ebenezer Sidi Aban says it has given us the right to govern ourselves as Africa. Yes, is it true? All that is it true? Is it false? What to you? What is the significance of Ghana's independence to you? To you as an as a Ghanaian, as an African. Let's contemplate. Let's see how we can build Africa in the Ghana in the country that we always wanted, or the one that Nkrumah was envisioned for us and for our our for our other our next next generations. My name is Lawrence. Been held down here by Didier Kobe. Uh, until tomorrow, stick and stay. Enjoy. More of our contents, and then you can download our app on our on all app stores, the GTR app, and then enjoy all news and updates entertainment from us. Bye bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah.